Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by exalting the glory of God, sharing and showing the love of Christ, and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now here's this week's message. Uh, Looking at what it means to live a spirit-filled life specifically, what does it mean to walk in the spirit? Uh, And let me ask this question. How many people have heard that term before, walk in the spirit? Or seen it in the Bible, or yeah, you're familiar with it. Yeah, how many have heard the term or heard the phrase uh, to live by the Spirit? Anyone? Yeah, okay. Also, very biblical, but kind of like today, in today's culture, uh, we don't necessarily use those terms as much in the church. Uh, when we talk about walking or living in the Spirit, uh, what they're talking about today is more of, you know, being slain in the Spirit, or using your spiritual gifts, or They focus a lot on that aspect of the Holy Spirit, which is different than what these two phrases mean when you see them in the Bible. Now, in the book of Acts, uh, we'll take a quick look at that. And just so you know, all of the verses, we're going to go through a lot of verses. I'm going to put up here on the screen. Uh, In the book of Acts, it says in chapter 9, the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplies. So the church, in the book of Acts, um, this isn't about just like growing the church, but in the book of Acts, they were walking in the fear of the Lord, not fear like we're afraid of him, but a reverential respect for who God was in their life, and walking in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, because he's the comforter, he's supposed to comfort us. And as a result, the church multiplied. And it wasn't just that the church grew, because this isn't just about, like, congregational growth, which we all want, like I want, big time, but not just to fill seats, because if the congregation is growing, the kingdom is growing, right? And then that's what we want. That's what God wants. He wants his kingdom to grow. Uh, But it's more about growing individually and spiritually closer to God. That word walking, it means making progress making best use of our resources, and moving forward towards God. Now, we can walk forward, we can walk backward, but in a biblical sense, it means movement towards God, moving forward towards God. And that's what the early church did. In the early church, they made spiritual progress. They were progressing spiritually. Yes, they were using their gifts, but that wasn't their only focus. Uh, They were also using the spiritual resources God gave them. God gives us, one, his Holy Spirit, but he also gives us two of the best resources you can ask for. One, his word, right? So they were in the word daily, not just on Sunday morning. They'd wake up over their coffee and tea, in between, you know, golf sessions at the gym. They were pulling out their iPads, iPhone. They didn't have those, but you get the point. They were in between their daily lives. They were spending time focusing on the word of God, but they were also... The other spiritual gifts that God gives us is another spirit-filled believer. They were gathering regularly, not just on Sunday morning, not just on Sunday night, not just for Bible study, but whenever they would get together with other church members, they would talk about, so what is God doing in your life today? Not just like, hey, is God doing anything in your life? Because tell me, because that will help me grow. Maybe God can do that in my life too. And they were sharing their lives with one another, and as a result... Then they grew individually as individuals, but they also grew congregate, congregate, 
congregationally. Sorry about that. Yeah, they grew both ways, right? So that's what God wants from us today is to see us grow, not just the congregation get bigger, but individually we grow and become closer to him and we learn more about him. And all of us, I mean, how many people would like to see more spirit-filled people in our communities, in our lives, in our schools, in our government, in, in all aspects of our life, more spirit-filled people who are being you know, driven by God's agenda than whatever their own agenda is, right? Now, this was so important that Paul spoke about it a lot in scripture. A lot of scripture, a lot of theology, and actually, we're going to talk about scripture, but we're also going to talk about science, because a lot of what Paul spoke about has been scientifically proven to be true. I'm going to show you that in a minute. Uh, but Paul talked about this in Romans, and I'm going to put this first couple of verses up in the King James Version, and I will explain to you why in a minute. A lot of you, that's old school. Why are we speaking that? But here, hear me out. In, in chapter 8, this is what it says. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Now, the reason I put it in King James is because a lot of the other versions don't have who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. They just have, there's now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And that's what's on t-shirts, that's what people quote, that's what people put up, you know, out of their daily Bible app with a nice picture of some flowers and all that stuff. But if you look in most of the other versions, they will have a note that says, hey, either they'll have it in italics or they'll have a note that says, hey, this is in some of the early manuscripts, but not all. So they chose to leave it out. King James said, hey, it's in some of the manuscripts. I'm putting it in all of our Bibles. And what it says is that, hey, yeah, there's no condemnation if you're a Christ follower, but not just because you're a Christ follower. It's for those who walk not after the flesh, like do walk in a way or make progress based on what our flesh wants, but who do it in a spiritual way. And he says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, here's the thing. There's laws all around us, right? There's speed laws. Most of us don't obey. Parking laws. Most of us don't obey. There need to be some turn signal laws that all of us should obey. But there's also, like, the law of gravity, right? If you jump off a cliff, you're going to hit the bottom of wherever's down there. There's the law of motion that says, you know, an object that's in motion will continue until outside forces act upon it. Which is why if you throw a ball in space, it just keeps going because there's no air, no friction. It just it goes, right? But there's also, just as there was Old Testament laws, here's, here's the things that you should not do, that you cannot do in order to measure up to God's standard. There's also a spiritual law that we're now abiding by. And he says this. He goes on and he says this in verses 3 and 4. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned in the flesh. He said, the law, like, you guys are familiar, Old Testament, the law, all this, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. That couldn't save us from sin. All it could do is show us our sin, by saying, here's all the things that you're not supposed to do, so we try not to do it. That didn't remove our sin. It just showed us, hey, these are all the things that God doesn't want in us that separate us from God. So God sent his son, and he lived a sinless life, and through his death, burial, and resurrection, we now, because we put our faith in him, 
are now sinless, but he said that he did that so that the righteousness of the law would be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Now, I'm, I'm going I'm to try to make all this make sense. He's saying if we're walking in the spirit, we're a picture of God's righteousness. You don't need an Old Testament bunch of laws to show you, hey, what God's righteousness is like. You just need one Holy Spirit-filled Christian because you're a picture of God's righteousness. Not one who's walking after the flesh, doing the things that they want, but one who is walking after the Spirit, living in a God-honoring way. God says, hey, that person, Spirit-filled person, that's a picture of what I want you to be like. That guy who is not obeying, you know, all the fleshly desires, but is obeying the Holy Spirit inside of him. So now, he goes on and he says this in verse 12. A lot of scripture. I'm going to make this make sense in a minute. Just bear with me. Therefore, brethren, now here's the key thing. This is very, very important. Paul is writing this to the church. He's not writing it to people who are seeking to know God. He's not writing it to people who are trying to find out, I want to know what God is like. He's not writing it to people who say, I think God might be real, but I just don't know. He says, therefore, brethren, because he's writing it to people who have stepped across the line of faith and now have God's Holy Spirit in them. And to them, he says, we're debtors not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify or put to death the deeds of the flesh, you shall live. Again, not, I, I wish we had time, and, and I don't want to get into this because there's a lot of people that have that, you know, once you're a Christian and saved, you're always a Christian. There's nothing that can change that, and I don't have time to get into that debate right now. But I do have time to explain what Paul says. Paul says if you live after the flesh, you're obeying what your flesh wants, your human earthly desires, we're all humans. He says if you do that, you're going to die. And it's not like you're going to die like I just got shot in the head and I, you know, died. Did anyone see that movie, The Purge? Thank you. Good. Because it's not, it's, it's just a weird movie where people go out one night a year and they just live out all their wildest fleshly desires, including murdering people. And the government says, it's okay. Get it all out. And then the other 364 days of the year, you know, be good, do God-honoring things, all that kind of stuff. This one, okay, don't, don't go rent that. It's bad. Even though there's a franchise and there's a lot of it, and I watched all of them. So you should not, though. But uh, here's what he says. If you live after that way, you're going to die. Now, he's not talking about you're going to die like it's shot in the head. You're just going to die, right? Because if he were, then when he says, if you live according to the Spirit, you'll live, that would mean he's talking to dead people, telling them, here's how you can become alive. But he's not talking about physical death and becoming physically alive. He's talking about spiritual death, which is separation from God, and spiritually alive, which is staying connected to God. Right? So he's, he's making this thing that um, if you want to walk in the spirit, you've got to put to death the deeds of the body. Right? That, that's the only way to do it. Kill those human desires. Now, Here's the million-dollar question. How do we put to death and stop our human urges and inclinations? Because we're all human. Every human on the planet is human. And our bodies want what our bodies want. Like, I have 
huge sugar problem. That's why I can eat one slice of pie, but it be a whole half, and I call it a slice and call it good, because that's what my body wants. Some of us, our body wants certain things. Some of us, our body wants us to do things that hurt other people. Right? That's why the phrase slap some sense into people came about, because someone probably tried to slap some sense into someone. Some of us, our bodies respond when we get cut off in traffic. Instead of giving the finger like, that's okay, our bodies give another finger, right? Because that, that's what we're human, and that's what we respond to. So how do we put to death all of these human urges that are natural? And here's the thing, those aren't bad things. They're normal things because we're human beings, so we're going to have human responses, and we're going to do things in a human way. But yet, Paul says, hey, if we keep doing that, it's going to cause us to lose our connection with God. We're going to be spiritually dead. So then the question, million-dollar question, how do we put to death these human urges that Paul says we need to kill so we can stay spiritually alive? I'm glad you asked. I do not have the answer, but Paul does. And he says, when he writes to the church in Galatia, and, and when he was writing to this church, it's not believed to be like one congregation. It's like writing to all the churches in Allegheny County. That's what Galatians, the church in Galatia was. He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. He says, in other words, your flesh has all these desires. It wants what it wants. Your body, your human but here's the way to stop that. You have to walk in accordance with the Spirit. Now, uh, let, me, let me share this with you, and um, I hope I'm doing justice to this, but this is where we get into the science of it. Uh, a couple, I forgot when, but a while back, uh, we went on vacation to Solomon's Island, a uh, week-long vacation, and um, on the Sunday morning, normally on Sunday mornings when I'm on vacation, I like to sleep in, because Sunday mornings for me start at like 5, 17 a.m. And if I sleep in on a Sunday at 5, 19 a.m., those are two times set on my alarm clock for Sunday morning, right? So when I'm on vacation, sometimes I don't want to go to church. I just want to sleep in. So we're in a house in Solomon's Island with all of Christy's family and Christy and I. And um, her father, who's also a pastor, says, hey, who wants to go to church tomorrow? Nobody raised their hand. And... I was thinking about it because I wanted to go because he's researching all these churches. I'm like, oh, that'd be really cool. So it ends up that only him, Christy's mom, and I, we get up, we go to church. And I can understand why some other people didn't want to go. The one we picked, it said the service is two hours long, Pentecostal church, which we don't do that. Thank you, Jesus. But two hours long, right? And it ended up being almost three because, you know, that's the way they flow. But uh, two hours long, and we go there, and after the music, uh, instead of announcements, they have people sharing these, these things that are going to help your life. And this woman stood up, and she was a psychiatric nurse, right? It was her job to evaluate the way people think and brain and all that stuff. And in addition to that, in her research uh, to get her schooling, and after her schooling, she said, she had done these studies where she found out that, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, uh, but... We all have mind, body, and soul, right? Every one of us has like a mind, uh, not necessarily the brain, but that's what we tend to think of, but where our soul is and, and where it exists. We all have a body, a physical body, right? Like where, what, we all have one. We, we 
purpose and everything, but then we also have a spirit, okay? Now, before I tell you what she found out, let me, let me expand on this a little bit further, because every one of us has a mind, and our mind, or what some people call the soul, not the brain, but that's what we tend to think of, our mind is what makes all of the decisions. Our mind takes everything and decides, what do I do with this? How do I respond to this? Uh, how do I do this? Our mind is where um, a lot of people say that uh, it's the mechanism that determines how we will do life, right? Not the brain. Brain is the, the physical organ, but our mind, right? So our mind is what makes decisions, um, and, and, and science is still trying to understand how the mind works. They know the different parts of the brain, but that doesn't explain how our mind works. They're still working on that, and I'll share what she shared in a minute. Now, our bodies, we all have a body. Everyone has a physical body, right? And our body is what allows us to interact with the world outside of ourselves. Our five senses, what we see, what we hear, what we smell, what we taste, whether it be pie, you know, cherry pie, pizza pie, all good, right? All, what we taste, and then also what we touch. We would not be able to interact with one another if we didn't have a body. Our mind can't do that unless you're an X-Men, which is, never mind, all right. Our minds can't do that. Only our bodies can interact with one another because we touch and we interact with the outside world, right? Now, our mind takes all of the experiences and our memories that our bodies has interacted with, and it determines here's how we're going to react. But that's driven by the engine, which is our spirit. All of us have a spirit. Whether you're a Christian, non-Christian, doesn't matter. Every human being on the planet has a spirit. And our spirit is what takes all of these occurrences and it helps us and says, hey, here's all the memories we have, here's all the things we've experienced, and it determines here's how we're going to assign purpose and meaning to life. And there are some people who whatever their experiences are, they are what we would call, you've heard this term, mean-spirited. Because their response in their spirit, they've decided because of all of their experiences and what their mind has perceived and all of their memories, this is the way they're going to react and act and do life. But for most of us, in our spirit, we're just normal, right? We, we, we don't think to harm other people. We think, what can we do for self? We're just naturally selfish. Now, what the psychiatric nurse said was that when our spirit replaces or when God's spirit replaces our spirit, he doesn't take over. It's not like he possesses us. He takes up residence with. But his spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, is so much bigger than our spirit that when our spirit is trying to say, I should do these things, God's overwhelming spirit and presence. Have you ever been like... Uh, met someone super famous and you're just like in awe, like you don't know what to say, you don't know how to act, you don't know what to do. This is like 10 billion times that because now you're in the presence of the spirit of God. And that interacts how we think. Now, now here's what she said. Because with God's spirit, now we have God's spirit, we're able to renew our minds 
right? So our bodies do things in accordance with God's will. Our mind is the engine saying, here's what we're going to do, here's what we're going to do. But now that we have God's spirit in us, right, now we have something else, not our human spirit, God's spirit, that is taking everything that our mind perceives from what our bodies do, and now we have God's spirit saying, hey, body, instead of reacting with that regular finger that you're used to giving, react with no finger." Instead of reacting, when you see someone post something and you're ready to start typing out, you're a blankety-blank idiot, blah, 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 it's either saying, hey, why don't you just pray for them because they're probably coming from a place where they've been hurt before, more than you know, or respond with, hey, it looks like you got a lot going on. How can I pray for you? And our spirit wants to do that, and our mind says, yeah, that's an okay way to react because we're renewing our mind. Now, here's the, this, this is the amazing thing she said, right? Sorry, I lost track. But what we do as Christ followers is when our minds start thinking about these things, we have a better way to respond because we're not responding from our human spirit that says me first. We're responding from God's spirit that says God first. And our mind says, well, I don't know, how is this going to help me? But then we can say, well, you know what? Maybe I'm, I'm going to renew my mind because my, I, now I have my spirit backing me saying, maybe I should do what God wants. Right? And as Christ followers, that's what we want to do. We want to renew our minds so that we're doing uh, what God wants from us. Now, um, here's the how we do that. In Romans chapter 12, Paul continues. This is the Amplified Version. And he says, do not be conformed to this world or this age, or this culture, or this community, or this current cultural climate, or fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, I have to start thinking differently, which now I'm able to do because I have God's spirit in me. It's not my human spirit saying, put me first and others last. God's spirit saying, I love him, I love her. I love him, I love her. I love him, I love her. And so that's what's the engine instead of my spirit driving it. And then he says this, because when you do that, you can know what God's will is. None of us knew what God's will was before, before we were Christ followers. And people tried to witness to us. I can remember the boss, and I shared this before, that I worked with at the Pentagon, trying to witness to me and tell me about how good God is. And I'm like, you're out of your mind. How can you even know about this God? Does he talk to you? Does he speak to you? That doesn't make sense. But now with God's spirit into me, I'm like, yeah, he talks to you every single day. And it makes perfect sense that if we have the spirit of God, that we would know the will of God, because even it says in God's word, who knows the will of God except the spirit of God? And we have God's spirit in us. So now our spirit is telling to our mind, hey, this is the way God wants us to react. Our mind is trying to process it and thinking, okay, I think I can do that. It's, let's go with that. Whereas before, our mind was doing whatever our body wanted. Now, here's what the psychiatrist was, was saying before. The neural patterns in our brain, when we think about something, they fire in a certain pattern. And I'm going to use something you can all identify with. When you think about the Steelers, and you're watching a game, and they're like, you know, someone's running down, they're, they're scoring, and they're scoring, and you're like, yeah, they're doing great. 
your brain fires the neural pattern pathways, I think it's called pathways, will fire in a certain pattern to show joy, to show sadness, to do whatever. And I didn't find that all that interesting. But then she said, it's remarkable because if someone else who is not you thinks about the same thing that you're thinking about, their neural patterns will fire in the same way. So when you're watching the Steelers game and your neural patterns are firing in a certain way because you're happy because they're winning or upset because Baltimore is, someone on the other side of the globe who is watching that same game and experiencing the same anger and frustration that you are, they're thinking the same way you are, their neural patterns will fire in the exact same way, which is why this made sense to me because when I moved here, I didn't get, I wasn't bleeding black and gold. I didn't know how you guys were, and it was generational. I was like, do they inject the kids at a certain age, and they, they adopt that too? How does that work? And now this all made sense. Because if you're a kid, and you grow up watching your parents excited about the Steelers, like over-the-top excited, more excited than when they get a paycheck, paycheck, yay, Steelers are going to the Super Bowl, yay, like super excited, and you're a kid watching that, because you're hearing that, right? Your body is taking that in. Your mind is processing that. What do we do with this? And your spirit says, we get excited too. And then your mind says, I've got to think like them. And what she said is that learned pattern of thinking, you could map both neural pathways of the parent and the child, both watching the Steelers game, both getting excited, are both getting angry at the ref, which happens a lot, and their neural pathways will fire in the exact same way. Now, what does that mean for us is uh, when people think alike, right? If you start thinking like someone, your mind starts not becoming like them, but starts thinking like them. And this is what this, this is what matches up scientifically, matches up with scripture because Paul told the church in Philippi, he said, finally, brothers, whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, anything worthy of praise, think on these things. He told them, you want to be like Christ, you need to start thinking like Christ. And if you start thinking like Christ, then, and this is what she said that was like mind-blowing to me. If we start thinking like Christ, this is why the Bible tells us we have the mind of Christ. If we start thinking like Christ, and if it were possible to map his neural pathways as he was thinking on good things and justice and whatever is honorable and whatever is pure and whatever is holy, if he started thinking on that, and we mapped our neural pathways as we started thinking on that, they would match up. That's how we start thinking like Christ. That's how we start walking in the spirit. That's how we are way off on the slide. Okay. But that's how we start thinking like Christ. And scientifically, this was mind-boggling to me. Uh, she was saying scientifically, and you won't hear a lot of doctors say this, especially when it comes to things like psychiatry and the mind, because we're so far behind in trying to understand the way the mind works scientifically. But this is what she said. 
psychiatric nurse, done tons of research. Everything we need to know about the mind, she said, is in here. And I found that like mind boggling, but yet everything she said, when I read the scriptures that says, we have the mind of Christ, how do we have the mind of Christ when we start thinking like Christ, scientifically our mind starts processing things in the way that Christ does. That's why God gives us his spirit. That's how we renew our mind. That's how we put to death the deeds of the flesh. And that's how we start walking in the spirit. And this is why Paul, as the band comes up, uh, I'm going to put up this final verse. This is why Paul says in 2 Timothy, as he's talking to him about the church and about the Holy Spirit, and most people only quote the first half of this verse. He said, for God hath not given us a spirit of fear. And people put this again on t-shirts and on memes, and they, and they say it and they tweet it out, but they forget the rest of the verse. The spirit that God gave us is one of power, but one of a sound mind. God's spirit can allow us to transform and renew our mind so that we can walk in God's spirit. And so many churches focus on the gifts of the spirit. Can you pray in the spirit? Can you speak in the spirit? Are you healing in the spirit? Are you doing miracles in the spirit? And they forget the most important thing. Are you thinking like the spirit of God has enabled us to do? Because when we do that, that's how we get transformed into the image of Christ. That's how we renew our mind we become like him and we love others like him and we speak to others like him and we care about others the way that God does so I'm going to ask you guys to stand and as you do I'm going to ask you to bow your head God we pray that this morning that we would not leave here thinking the same as we did before that as we leave here, that our, our spirit, the spirit that you put in us, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, would speak to us, would begin to allow us to think differently, to perceive differently, to interact with others differently. We pray that our minds would be transformed and renewed by your Holy Spirit. Pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Everyone said, Amen.